Hey there, just a quick update about the episode you're about to listen to. Han, the director of the film Breakdown, recently won the Audience Choice Award for Best Short Film at the Viet Film Festival. When we recorded this episode, he was still in the process of submitting the film, so it's great to hear he got in and obviously did a fantastic job. So congrats to Han and Michelle and to everyone involved with the film. Welcome, everyone, to Real Asian Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Liu, and I am glad and happy to welcome back Han and Sean. What's up, fellas? Hey, Ray. Thanks for having us back. What's up? And we have a first-time joiner, Michelle. Nice to meet you, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you for having me. (laughs) For those of you who may not know, Han and Sean has been on our podcast before. We've talked about other movies. Han is a filmmaker. Sean is a film enthusiast. He is currently in film school. Sean, what are you in film school for? What are you aspiring to do? Screenwriting. Mm, nice. I want to be a director too, but it's just, I got to start from the story first. Too much control issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Han, how do you feel about that statement? I enjoy controlling everything and I enjoy manipulating emotions. So I think director was just the only way to go, really. Perfect. Perfect. Seems like a natural fit for you. And Michelle, if you could please subscribe to the listeners, uh, your role in this film and also what you do as your career. So I make clothing. I make a lot of custom clothing. Um, I work primarily with people in the LA area. I'll make pieces for musicians or performances. And Mm. Um, and then I also, I'm also a content creator and I have a TikTok and I, I nice. sometimes share my process and also tutorials with uh, people who are interested. And um, yeah, I've known Han for a while. And since he's in the arts and I'm, you know, he's, he's, well, as he said, he's a director and he likes, <laughs> for mm. the reasons he's He said, likes manipulating people. He you likes can say it. <laughs> No, no. Anyway, so his words, um, not ours. <laughs> but um, yeah, since um, I feel like we are both have uh, pursuits that sort of complement each other, and we've known mm. each other for a long time. He brought me on as a costume designer for for this for this piece, which was really fun because he had some really cool ideas about uh, making something that was a bit more surreal and making a piece that could transform to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was something that I was really excited to do because adding narrative to design and I don't know, mm. makes it more of an art form, I think. <laughs> Han, could you please briefly describe your short film for our listeners? Yeah, uh, I think in its simplest form, it just follows a conversation between a couple whose car has broken down in the middle of what seems like nowhere. Mm-hmm. And as the conversation progresses, it it's revealed to the audience that something seems a little off. And what ultimately inspired you to make make this short and this film? And how long have you been sitting with this idea? I think uh, there was no like aha moment. Um, I think typically how I write a script is I'll have a series of different ideas and I'll kind of start weaving them together and find like, where is the bigger theme or bigger narrative to like kind of put all these ideas into a basket. So that's Mm kind of how I came up with this story. And the project kind of came together because Michelle asked me, um, hey, would you be interested in making something with her and her friend, Angel Lynn, which also stars in Breakdown, Mm -hmm. because I just released Calling and she saw and she was, she just kind of had this idea. So that's kind of where the ball got rolling on that. Sean, 
I think at some point when we were talking before, you were on set, right? Is that the was, same? Yeah. Is that the same short? Yeah, um, Han was you know very gracious to let me uh, join as a behind the scenes photographer. I also just kind of helped out wherever else I could. Learned a lot about the movie making process. Learned a lot about Han's con- uh, control issues. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we seem to be going back into this uh, control <laughs> issues. <laughs> Just I'm just kidding. Like I'm just kidding. No, I, what I, I, but seriously though, uh, I wasn't really impressed by Han's like your demeanor. Uh, I feel like you really took leadership of the whole endeavor. It was really naturally how it came out, and you know I think you delivered uh, your directions in a very in a way that commanded respect, but wasn't like kind of authoritarian, uh, which I really thought was pretty interesting. Did you get an idea of what the show was about? on set or did you add any prior knowledge and how did that change when you ultimately saw it? I would say it was pretty much how uh, I had a pretty good sense when I when I was on the set um, because Han and I had talked about the story a little bit. Uh, I read the script um, so that, that helped. I'm curious for the group and this is an opportunity to just talk about it. Sean, your perspective, Han, your perspective, Michelle, your perspective on what your main takeaway from Breakdown was because I think to me after watching it you know, I'm sure there's multiple interpretations of it, but I took out of it what I saw was that love is fleeting, which is a very Wong Kar Wai thing of you to do, by the way. It's it comes and goes. I'm not sure. See, my I have a theory that I'm not sure if the girl exists at all or not. I'm not I don't know. It could be a figment of his imagination. That's my theory. I have zero evidence to support that, but that's one of the things that I thought of it, but um, any anyone else has any takeaways? Uh, Han, I think you probably have your own perspective of it, but I think I respect the fact that you put this together in a way that it is open for inter- interpretation. It's not like a clear cut message that that you're trying to send, unless you are. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, that, that was actually very much my intention. And since you brought it up, I'm actually curious what makes you think that she doesn't exist or like she... Are you saying she never existed or she did exist? Like, I, I, I would like to hear your take because obviously, like, not that many people have seen this. So I would actually like to hear, like, how it's being received. My theory is that she did exist, but she's no longer with him. Now, we can either say that she either passed away tragically or she broke up with him, whatever. And he is having a tough time dealing with the loss. And so it takes place in two separate time lines so let's say like when she's in the car that was when they had their moment you know they found love but something happened she could have passed away and then he revisited that same area and maybe wore the same outfit just to kind of relive that moment that he had with her in present day she's no longer there what do you think are you buying or selling hmm i don't know uh sean michelle because like you know, like I, I know exactly what my intentions were, and um, yeah. uh, obviously, you're not very far off. It's just uh, I kind of want to not, okay, not okay. say too much, just yeah, because, yeah, yeah. like, totally, totally. I, I would love for more people to interpret. Because um, I think one of the coolest things about like making something and putting it out there is to hear all the different interpretations, right? right? And yeah. to either think, "Wow, like that's exactly what I was going for," and it was um, articulated well through film that the audience understood it or I need to do better 
because <laughs> no one understood it and uh, I need to like do a better job for the next one, you know? No, I think I think you did good in this one. I think it's better to have an intentionally open for interpretation film versus, hey, did you get it? And people are like, no, I did not get it. <laughs> but um, it wasn't that at all. At least I didn't take it and receive it as that. But uh, um, Michelle, what, what, do, what do you think the main takeaway was a theme that you took out from Breakdown? I mean, I think my main takeaway was um, was that change is inevitable, even if it can cause great pain. And change in this case is loss. Like loss is a form of really abrupt change, right? And it might, you know, might cause mental collapse. <laughs> but in the end, we need to find a way back to ourselves. That was my big takeaway. Mm. Like he's dealing with something. Something. I think something happen to him or he's dealing with something not happening i'm i'm afraid to reveal too much i think i might reveal a lot though when i talk about how i made the pieces and the process behind making mm-hmm. the pieces so i don't know if you're okay with that han but um i, I don't mind uh, i think the curious thing is like how people are even going to get a chance to watch it once it's um mm-hmm. out of um Viet film festival is just basically have to wait until hopefully it gets into another festival so people can stream it online. Sean, how about you? What do you think? Uh, I think I I go similar sentiments. Um, For me, it was just mostly a meditation of of mourning and and Mm. someone dealing with grief. And I didn't really have like a takeaway like this is, I didn't really think about like what actually literally happened. It was just this mostly the, the man dealing with the loss of someone that he loved. Do you think she existed or not? <laughs> oh, you're really. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going mean... to push all of us like, is it a yes or a no? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> um, but I am curious. I did notice that, you know, the, the attire of the girl did change a bit. I think at one point she was wearing a, a yellow, a white dress, and then she was wearing a yellow dress. Michelle, I, I am curious from your perspective, when you were designing the costumes for this film, how did the attire of the characters help? emphasize the tone yeah so knowing that she may or may not be there right she might just be a memory you're right the dress did change and that was to lend itself to that kind of mind-bending moment like oh what what, how did she just have a quick change that's not possible Mm -hmm. um and there's actually three dresses so the first dress the first dress the yellow dress um dandelions were a big symbol and so the first dress was supposed to symbolize a dandelion in its first phase of life. So the first phase, it's like, you know, bright, it's absorbing sunlight, it's alive, it's beautiful. And then there's the second phase where it changes and it shifts into a seedling. Like it's, you know, the petals close up and then it's now basically dead or near death. Um, And so that's a way to lend itself to the story as well of like what may have happened to her, what her part in all of this is. And so the first yellow dress, that's, that could be that could be from a very like vivid positive memory that he had or it could just be how he wants to ideally remember her however there is something about steve's wardrobe that might lend itself to the argument that she did exist at some point mm-hmm. maybe it's always a maybe maybe <laughs> and then the second the second dress is actually the transitional piece so it's like a version of the first dress that is attached to the white piece the white piece that would be the final phase of the dandelion and so that piece could actually peel off like we could actually unhook it and then finally reveal the last stage which is this is her sort of in a dress that might look more somber and and in a way symbolize 
that she is lost to him in some capacity. Mm-hmm. In the ether. <laughs> in the ether, maybe. And um, with Steve's <laughs> with Steve's outfit, he actually has a little yellow fabric dandelion on his suit lapel. And mm, yeah, there are three of yeah. those as well. They change with her. So they there's a really pristine, perfect looking one. And then by the end of the film, when she's in her white piece, there's a more distressed version of the dandelion flower. And I guess it's up to the viewer to like wonder, does he actually have that? Is he just imagining that as well? But that right. might lend itself to this idea that maybe he has a piece of her that he keeps with him. Maybe. Mm. Maybe everything's maybe. <laughs> maybe so. Who knows? <laughs> so, uh, Han and Michelle, I'm always curious in terms of what the conversation between costume designer and director is like. Like, is it Han? Are you pitching to Michelle to say, "I have this film. This is the tone I want to strike. What are your ideas?" Or is it, you know, Han? Do you have like the your script, your screenplay, and then Michelle looks at it and says, "You know, I really think that the characters." or the film could really benefit from this type of design that I can include. What was that conversation like between you two? Michelle, I think like we started with just like a word doc and I just threw a bunch of like ideas onto it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you had, um, you had somewhat of a script together, I think. And you had, you had the concept together. And so you put together a word doc, you, you threw out some of your ideas. And even though the, the script eventually shifted and changed, there were parts of it that stayed the same that I designed around, which was, it's going to be this surreal piece. It's not, you're not quite sure what's happening. He's literally having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so uh, is a car, so is a car, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, for me, I was reading what you had in mind and I was inspired by con like ideas and concepts that he had put together. And, Either I wanted to think, how can I create pieces that lend themselves to the characters? Either they are te- they're helping to lend themselves to the story, or yeah, I think that's that was kind of how it worked. And I think the one thing, like I said earlier, Han mentioned this idea of the dress transforming, and I found that to be very inspiring. And I think that was also something I ran with. And then it was just a back and forth. I'd send sketches and send ideas, and he'd say, "Yeah, I like that. Maybe not that." Or I'd also say, "I'm not sure about that. What about this?" I mean, and Han, everything that Michelle put together, it's stuff, stuff that you were like, dude, this is incredible. Yeah, pretty much uh, I kind of gave her the big idea of like dandelions and always like if she had a question, kind of go back to let's use a dandelion for the inspiration. So uh, she mentioned like the first stage was like the big yellow, right? Big yellow, vibrant, beautiful youth. That's the kind of dandelion where you don't think of it as much of a weed, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, like in a second form, when it becomes like the seedlings that kind of like disperses, like over the time, the wind carries them away, and you can view them as like this weed that just kind of like ruins your lawn or gets ugly. But it mm-hmm. can also be a thing that kind of like you know over time, the wind carries and takes it to somewhere new to bloom again and create like more beautiful yellow flowers until then they also have to like go away and. I think that's why I was using dandelions as such a symbol for memories, right? Because like when you first have them, when they're early on, they're bright, vibrant, and beautiful, and over time they deteriorate. But these memories do end up determining your thoughts and actions and in turn create new memories and bloom into new thoughts and memories. So that's kind of like my motivation for using dandelions. 
So that's mm-hmm. um, how I kind of directed Michelle when she was constructing um, and designing these dresses. Just always go back to like, well, how's a dandelion when it's um, bright and yellow? It's like, um, that's why we want something that can like capture the sunlight really well, look vibrant and flowed really well in the wind. But mm-hmm. then like for the white dress, it was something more deteriorated, distressed, and it almost looks like it could like blow away and fall apart in the wind as well. Sean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious as a film watcher, are the costumes and the attire is something that you notice right away or pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. For sure. I'm thinking about um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which uh, we just watched a clip of that today. That movie was one where I felt like there's this cliche, like every shot is a painting, but that movie really exemplified that. And, um, you know, I don't think you could have done that unless you had, you know, period specific clothing that really worked with the lighting that they chose. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's all, it's, it's very appropriate, especially when you're dealing with when the setting, when the timeline is, you know, a very important part of the, the story. I'm realizing now when I think about it, the attire and the costumes of the characters often serve almost kind of like subtext a little bit. Sometimes it's a way of saying something without the audience kind of realizing it or having it be very obvious, right? I'm assuming that it's the case a lot, Michelle. But I'm, that's why I'm very appreciative that you're on here, Michelle. If I was to ask you, what is something as myself, as a viewer, that we could pay attention more, or at least keep in mind more often when we're watching films, just to have a more of appreciation for the costume designers? Yeah, um, I think the first thing would be color. I think color is usually the first thing that people or designers might think of when they're trying to represent, you know, trying to emphasize something about the character. I mean, I just finished Breaking Bad. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wait, you watched it for the first time or are you rewatching yeah, it? I just watched it for the first time. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I was told that they're, that the characters, the colors that they wear, and they wear yeah. you know, basic stuff, casual wear, the colors that they wear throughout the season are supposed to actually symbolize what the characters are going through internally. Crystal meth friendly clothing, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I would say color is really important, but I also think another thing that people can pay attention to would be the lines. Like sometimes, I actually mm. just uh, designed something for a dance number, and one character was supposed to be this really like aggressive figure, and the other character softer. And things that you can sort of associate with those two personalities would be aggressive is more angular, sharp, right? So maybe I'm right. going to have like sharper shoulders and really like symmetrical details. Whereas a character that has a more soft, like fluid demeanor, you might see softer, rounded lines and shapes. Mm. And so that plus color, I think those two things, I mean, that's what I, I look for at least. And Everyone. Colors and lines. So definitely pay attention to that when you're watching films. Michelle, can I ask, what would be like a dream actor or director that you would want to work with? A dream actor or director? Oh my gosh, I can't think of someone off the top of my head right now. Um, let me get back to you. I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to think about it. <laughs> I want to talk about the process and the production of making this and putting this together. On how long in totality did it take for you to put this project together? Uh, in totality, it's always hard to tell because like when I, I guess I kind of count it as soon as you start like writing down ideas on a word doc or to post-production yeah, through post-production. So I've had this kind of script kind of written like for two, three years. 
I have like just a bunch of ideas and they just sit around, right? And uh, just like how Michelle kind of came to me and brought her friend Angel into the mix, I was like, oh, what ideas do I have um, kind of like in my archives that kind of fit for this? Kind of see like how these actors and their personalities fit together. So then I just kind of like grab some of these ideas or if I even have like a overarching concept for a script, then I start like actually adding all the details and connecting the logic because like there'll be like 10 different ideas that don't seem connected and I need to find a way to like make them fit together and package them together in a way that like is presented in a logical way that doesn't feel like they're just a bunch of random ideas I had throughout a number of years. I I ask that question because, you know, I think some of our listeners are aspiring filmmakers or screenwriters or actors and other film enthusiasts. And I think it's uh, sometimes overlooked to understand how long a project can take, multiple years. Obviously, for most people, they just see the final product and kind of think, assume like, oh, maybe that took a couple of months, but really the idea sometimes takes a long time. Is this your, how, how many times you and Michelle worked together? Is this your first time? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But so who reached out to who and how did you guys hear about each other? Was it through the mutual friend? So, well, I'm actually, I'm the mutual friend. Oh, <laughs> it's between okay. Angel and Han. Um, I've known Han since uh, we went to community college together and that was maybe 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Angel, I've known about the same amount of time because she uh, walked in one of my fashion shows and then we just really connected very well and so remained friends and so i saw she wanted to get into acting and i i was she was starting to post um post about that and so i knew that han was making these really great short films so i thought oh well maybe i can make something happen <laughs> but i actually have an answer for sean if we want okay yes go go for it so this <laughs> is if you had a no, dream no. director and actor you could work with who would okay be? i don't know about actor actor would be tough because i feel like most of it most i think the directors the they they have more of a say and i was gonna say guillermo del toro i don't know why that didn't just pop into my head i think the first person who came into my head was vince gilligan because i'm literally watching <laughs> better call Saul now <laughs> But I was like, I don't know if he would be my dream director. That'd be an interesting project. Yeah. <laughs> love his work, but I don't know. But I think Guillermo del Toro, he did a, like all his work is just so detailed. There's Crimson Peaks where the, like, the costumes were such a big part of it. Uh, so that would be, that would be really cool. How about you, Han? I may question for you. Is there a dream actor that you would love to direct? I think I would get be lucky to work with any actor. That, <laughs> Good answer. Uh, if you've hung out with me at all, you, you've probably heard me talk about Hannibal, the TV show, at least mm. once. So, yeah, Hugh Dancy and Mad Mickelson would be kind of a joy to just, for my own selfish reasons, to see them acting again together. So I guess to answer your question, those two. How about you, Sean? Who would be a dream actor or director that you'd love to write for? Um, well, uh, Leon Tsao, Tony Leung is my favorite actor. So uh, any if he emotes anything with his eyes that I've written, I was just like, yeah, my life's complete. I can just... <laughs> How would you write that? You'd be like, eyes raised, eyebrow raised. <laughs> I, would, I would just <laughs> let him do, do it. I mean, I just gave him a general sense. Was this the first time that you were on set one of Han's projects or maybe in general, Sean? Yeah, it was in general, in general. Um, oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, how was that experience? It was great. You know, actually, what I thought was interesting was, you know, I come from a business background 
And I worked in tech where I was like, I was a product manager. I was like scheduling work and getting organizing people together from like engineers and designers and and just kind of seeing the logistics part of movie making, I thought was interesting that it kind of has similar skill sets that apply. I think a lot of coordination. A lot of coordination. I think getting things to go on time, getting people ready is just like so important to making sure everything runs well and you know, not over budget. For anyone out there listening who's thinking about switching careers, you know, you'll have if you work with people, you'll have similar skill sets that translate. And Han, how was Sean on set? Did he get in the way at all? Did he distract you? Did you have to? <laughs> yeah, we were just abusing him, violating human rights. You're like, uh, Sean, I need coffee. Go now. Oh, uh, we wouldn't let him drive. We would make him like run and get it physically. <laughs> oh man, um, Ray, can I ask? Can I ask you if you like if you wanted to get into the industry more? Like, what what role would you want to do? Actually, I've been wanting to be a producer. So, so I'm a podcast producer now, but. The ultimate goal for me is to break into TV or film at some point, um, yeah. some kind of visual aspect. Kind of like you, Sean, like I come from like a business background. I always love working with creatives. I love talking to creatives. I love getting to know creatives, hearing their stories and having the opportunity to potentially put stories together for a lot of creative people is something that I would love to do as a producer. Um, okay, I want to I talk about F- VIT Film Fest. Honey, if you could describe briefly what uh, VIT Film Fest is, is it your first time? How's it going? Talk about that experience for you. It's my second time in VIT Film Fest, so it was actually pretty cool because uh, this year, um, because COVID's lightened up and stuff, we were actually able to attend in person and we were able to see the project on the big screen, which is like something else I never even thought would happen. And uh, like makes me think of like all these other things like, oh, yeah, I got to remember to edit these things for like theaters too, for the chance it's in theaters. But um, I was selected for Viet Film Fest last year and for calling and that won the audience award for best short film. And to answer your other question, uh, Viet Film Fest is essentially a film festival that focuses on uh, Vietnamese culture and demographics. So uh, mainly stories from Vietnam or about Vietnam or um, made by Vietnamese people. How important is it for you to kind of be in that environment with other, you know, Vietnamese filmmakers, creatives, uh, telling Vietnamese stories, but not necessarily telling Vietnamese stories, but seeing, you know, people of your similar culture and background be in this industry? It's a, it's pretty cool to see because, um, I think uh, one name I most people might be familiar with is Bao Nguyen. He made the uh, Bruce Lee documentary, Being Water, and he he was there. It was cool to see him there and see like, oh, cool! Like, it's it's possible for Vietnamese people to kind of come in and kind of tell their stories. And my hope is to like eventually make a story that's uniquely Vietnamese as well, and kind of to be in that environment to see like other stories that are kind of inspired by the culture is kind of important for me because I would like to learn more about what's to be Vietnamese too, because as a Vietnamese American, I've always leaned a little bit more towards the American side growing up in America. But it's also about trying to find that balance because as a Vietnamese American or a Chinese American or, you know, any other mix you're trying to find this balance between the culture and your race and your identity and trying to see like 
where you belong in the place that you're currently living, but also understanding where you or your family might have come from. So mm-hmm. um, we actually watched this movie called Memory Land that uh, showed after uh, Breakdown. And it was kind of cool to see like traditional Vietnamese funerals were like. And that's kind of what Memory Land was about. It was about the process of death in Vietnam and how it's treated. And it actually like, kind of inspired me and actually gave me some ideas like, oh, like I would love to like make a movie more about death. Uh, it, <laughs> but I, I guess I technically already made one with Breakdown, but um, maybe we don't know. Right, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> did Breakdown really even exist? I was just going to say, did I even make a movie? A real you can't even watch yet. it. Is this podcast episode even real right now? I don't even know if you <laughs> guys are. This is all part of the film. <laughs> Um, I wanted to kind of bring it back to Michelle. There's this question that I've been sitting on as, as I was curious is that how, how you got into what you're doing now as a costume designer, like, uh, what did you do before and what ultimately, you know, made you want to get into this business? Well, when I was really little, I, I just, I was very obsessed with drawing and making things. And I think most kids are. Um, and I think I was really fortunate because my parents never stopped me. They were just like, go for it. And they'd buy me more crayons and they'd give me more like leftover printer sheets, you know, the ones that didn't turn out right. They're like, here, draw on the back of that. Uh, and and then as I got older, I was trying to figure out what kind of artist do I want to be? At some point at the age of 10, I was drawing these comic books. They were terrible comics. They were like ripoffs of the Powerpuff Girls and Sailor Moon. But, you know, I was 10. Mm-hmm. And as I was drawing them, I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm so I'm so bored drawing this character over and over. But I'm very ex- I'm very excited about drawing their look in each changing scene. So then I thought, is that a job? Can I do that? And that's when I decided I wanted to make clothing when I grew up. And I just kind of, I don't know, it was the one thing that stuck. I was laser focused. It was the thing that I always felt curious about because I think the the issue with other creative paths. They didn't, I don't know, there was something about them that didn't call to me. Maybe, I think it was the personal, like there's something very personal about clothing. You know, people live their lives in it and it's often very symbolic of like what that person is trying to portray or what's going on with them. And uh, I was taking jobs in retail and tutoring prior to actually (laughs) making clothes for brides and and films. Okay, let's close this out with the final segment. I'm just going to go round table. Michelle, you already mentioned this, but I'm curious in terms of what y'all are watching. Doesn't have to be Asian, but TV show, movie, what's the latest thing you've seen that's just been on your mind and you need to talk to someone about it? Michelle, you'll go last because I know that you just watched Breaking Back, so I'll give you another chance to to pick something else. But um, how are you, Sean? Well, I just watched Vanilla Sky for the first time. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? With Tom Cruise. There's a lot of Tom Cruise smiling in the movie and a lot of him uh. shirtless. <laughs> But I have to give him credit because he he does wear a mask and he is disfigured for like a lot of the movie. So what's that movie about again? It was recommended to me because it's the structure of it is not a traditional three act structure. So it's a very like jumping around. You kind of like jump in the middle and then you're like in a different timeline and then you're like like another narrator is like retelling. So it's like pretty pretty confusing or jumble, but it it all ties up pretty well together at the end. Uh, if I tell you what it's about, it kind of spoils it. 
I mean, that's I've probably seen it before, why I just don't remember. It's probably why I never saw it because the poster is just of Tom Cruise's face, and I was just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Thing? I mean, that's all you need, right? Just for I mean, Tom Cruise's face on there, yeah. baby. Yeah, I can't it's believe true. I didn't speak to you. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. I would recommend. It's definitely right up my alley. That's for sure. Okay, how about you, Han? Just a list off a few that I, I've watched recently. Um, just like Sean, I went on a Tom Cruise cruise. Why didn't you invite watched me? Magnolia. That that was great. She was great in Magnolia. Let's just make this a Tom Cruise show. Tom Cruise uh, watch party. Um, and then um, I watched Collateral. And then uh, I guess most recently I watched um, Beautiful. It's a Spanish mm-hmm. film by uh, Alejandro Gonzalez. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Inari. Yeah. yeah yeah hopefully i said his name right but is yeah, that on that, netflix or no uh it's on canopy which is like the public library app which is great because there's just great movies on there that movie was great it was beautiful but it was like one of the most painful movies it's like it's like how much can you watch a man suffer but yeah. I, I guess it's on trend for alejandro because then he went on to make you know birdman and the revenant and yeah. uh, i haven't watched the revenant but i heard it's just you know, Leo gang. Same pummel. thing. How much, how much can a man suffer? Yeah. But to answer your question, everyone go watch, we are little zombies. That was like by far the best movie I've seen this year. Like if you loved everything everywhere, all at once, like it's everything just like everything everywhere, but it, it, like each shot is so creative and like it dives into this like concept of what it is for like children to experience trauma and how they process that trauma through. Uh, either kind of narcotizing themselves with media and what's available to them, whether it's through film, television, music, video games. And it's done in such a lighthearted and beautiful way that like, I can't recommend it enough. I'll go. And then Michelle, if you hopefully you've got one lined up latest, I've been watching, I haven't had much time to watch many things as of late, but the last thing I watched was Skyfall, the James Bond movie. Amazon has all the James Bond movies, like the entire one, like going back to the 60s. I think because it's like 65 years or some, it's like some kind of anniversary mark for James Bond. So I just recently been watching all the, I'm starting with Daniel Craig and potentially could be moving backwards to like Pierce Brosnan to like Sean Connery. But I'm also kind of like, do I really want to watch 60s James Bond movie? (laughs) Because a lot of things I'm sure didn't age well, but uh, I've always kind of been interested in the James Bond franchise. Would love to know who the next James Bond would be. Actually, real quick, who do you think should be the next James Bond? I mean, Michael Tom Cruise, Sarah. obviously. I Tom was, Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I second that. That's the, that's the right answer. <laughs> who said Michael Sarah? Is that you, Han? I said Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would watch that. I would watch Is this like yeah, the origins of James Bond? He spits it out immediately. He's like, ooh. Is a, this is like the origins thing. of James Bond, like him going into MI6, like as a nerdy, skinny white dude. Okay, Michelle, what what do you what have you been watching? <laughs> well, um, I did, I remembered, I actually did watch a Tom Cruise movie recently. <laughs> um, I feel like I have to name and- a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> <laughs> It was Interview with a Vampire. Oh, love that movie. That's a so good one. Campy. It was so good though. So I was like, good. this is campy in a very good way. You got way. Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Christian Just- Slater, Antonio <laughs> Banderas in that. A lot of sex appeal I, in that. Yeah, there was a lot happening. Um and and then my partner and I were actually on a Jake Gyllenhaal kick. We were watching mm. 
so many of his films. I, and it was funny because I was like, I didn't realize he was such a good actor. No, <laughs> and then great, we watched yeah. Enemy and we watched um, we watched Prisoners, which I think, Sean, was your recommendation. Oh, so, you yeah, you I rem- yeah, yeah, I watched it around the time we met up last. Yeah, Prisoners is amazing. He's, yeah, he's really creepy that. in that one. He's He plays a really good creepy guy. That's just like his thing, his, oh, his lane. Nightcrawler. He's a good Nightcrawler, Donnie Darko. He's, he's just good at being creepy. Uh, okay, well, thank you so much, Sean, Han, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the pod today and talking about your short film. Best of luck for you on submissions. I hope you get to do multiple rounds of film festivals so that everyone can go check it out. How, if someone is to be able to watch it, are you working on that right now in distribution? So basically how it is for festivals, I can't put it online until it kind of goes through its whole submission process or else it gets disqualified. But between you and me, if anyone's really that interested, they can just DM me and I'll find a way to share it with them. But don't let anyone else know. Okay, okay no worries. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll uh, keep it a secret, everyone. Just... <laughs> DM on this right. Yeah, totally. Just between us two. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. Take care. Tune in next time for another episode of Real Asian Podcast. <laughs>